Welcome to 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and this is episode three of the podcast. Last week, we had Ryan Sakamoto join the show to break down the Niners' dream draft scenario and if Kyle Shanahan truly trusts Jimmy Garoppolo. But today, we're going to discuss the possibility of Matt Breida and other 49ers possibly being traded, some surprise players the 49ers could target in this year's draft, and is Joe Staley ready to walk away? Joining us today is 49ers beat writer for sfbay.ca and formerly of KNBR, Taylor Worth. Taylor, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm uh, getting on the draft, the draft, um, draft grind with all the studying and the prospects and uh, really looking forward to actually having some meaningful sports-related content to watch. Yeah, you know, it's it's definitely hard when you kind of have to sit at home and kind of make your own content or just sit there and do nothing for <laughs> for pretty much eight hours, if not longer, a day. Uh, but that's why I wanted to bring you on and talk to you about this. And before we get into the draft, I want to talk about 49ers that are on the trade block. We've already heard about Dante Pettis and Marquise Goodwin, but now it seems like Matt Breida has kind of crept into that conversation. Is there a real possibility Matt Breida is traded? And, and, and what is the asking price? We already know he has a second-round tender placed on him. Uh, so if he wants to sign elsewhere, that team has to give the Niners a second-round pick. Uh, but it, it, doesn't, it doesn't seem like any team's going to give San Francisco a second-round pick for him, right? Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's traded. I would be surprised if they haul, get a second-round pick uh, in return for him. Uh, he does have that second-round tender, and he's obviously put on plenty of good tape for where he where he was acquired when he became a 49er and um, – how he works in Kyle Shanahan's system. But yeah, a second round pick, I think would be just a tad rich for Matt Breida. um, Even with the good film he's put together these past two years. What do you think the asking price is? I would assume maybe, maybe a fourth, maybe a fifth and a sixth, something later on in the draft in maybe around San Francisco doesn't have a pick. And does that seem about right? Yeah, I I think absolutely a fourth would make sense. Um, I'm sure you could maybe argue for a third, but I think that's still pushing a little bit. Um, I think four definitely is the sweet spot. And uh, with Brita and guys like Marquise Goodwin, I, I don't see a team outright trading for them. I see maybe San Francisco packaging them with a pick to maybe move up or back, depending on what kind of offers they're receiving. So I think they're kind of guys that you add in to kind of bolster a trade offer, if that makes sense. Makes perfect sense, and you kind of led into my next question, and my next question was going to be, if Breida is traded, I think we all would assume it would be before the draft, uh, but which kind of leads into you know what I want to say here is that we all know most certain Coleman's are locked for this team, especially what they did last season, uh, but McKinnon's health is a huge question mark. He hasn't played in two years. Uh, when you have multiple knee surgeries, you really don't know how well that's going to hold up. And besides a few plays here and there, most notably that Cardinals game-winning touchdown, we haven't seen a lot of Jeff Wilson Jr. in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Uh, would it be better for the Niners to maybe keep Breida at least till the preseason? That way, if McKinnon isn't healthy or something drastic happens, they kind of have a guy they can place in there and be a number one, a number two guy. Yeah, I think keeping Breida, I, I think keeping or trading Breida makes sense. I, I would lean towards keeping him just because me myself i'm i'm big on running back depth and it's something that they utilized last year um and and brita offers something different from coleman who offers something different from most shirts they all have their own different traits and they all kind of they're that three-headed monster of sorts um of course it, it shifted towards Mostert at the end of the year and in the playoffs but um yeah i, I think matt brita 
I, I envision him sticking around through the draft. Um, I'm, I was a little bit surprised that they kept um, Jarek McKinnon and even Tevin Coleman to an extent. I think that if they needed to clear up cap space, he was one to go before Matt Breida, in my opinion. But um, at this point, I, I wouldn't expect Breida to be traded, and I, I would expect to see him, uh, well, there's not going to be OTAs, but I guess in training camp even. You kind of already talked about you know, what you thought of Marquise Goodwin in regards to him being packaged in a deal, um, but I do want to get your opinion on what is going on with the trade market with Dante Pettis and Goodwin. Are they in? Are they out? We've, we've heard so much about Dante Pettis' potential, uh, but he hasn't seemed to put it together. People think year three could be the year that he kind of makes the next step he needs to take, but we saw, and I asked Ryan Sakamoto this last week, uh, we saw him in the doghouse all year. You know, He was a healthy scratch for the majority of the season, didn't have an impact uh, besides that Cardinals game on Halloween night and that Pittsburgh Steelers game where he caught the game-winning touchdown. Um, who's more likely to be moved, and, and what is the market for these guys who haven't really done much in two seasons? Well, I think uh, Marquise Goodwin is more likely to be moved just because of the tape he has in his career, and um, he's actually... You know he's put together a couple good seasons, and he's he's proven himself more obviously than Dante Pettis. So, I think, and another thing is they've been pretty vocal, Kyle and John, about trading Marquise Goodwin um, after the Super Bowl. It was brought up, and Kyle was pretty honest that it's something that they would do, which I was kind of surprised about. Um, so I, I think there's a decent chance Marquise Goodwin gets traded. Um, Dante Pettis, I, I just I don't think there's enough tape on him he hasn't done much um and just how they utilized him last year and how kyle shanahan what he thought of um him during training camp which that whole doghouse thing that's where it stemmed from um and just the lack of utilization and him not even suiting up for the super bowl it's very telling and uh, i don't think a whole lot of teams will be interested in him until he shows that he can live up to the hype um, when he was drafted, and he, he can at least get on the field. I think that I don't think any team's going to be trading for a guy that doesn't even suit up on game days, to be honest. And we know Dante Pettis was a former second round pick. The Niners spent a, a high value pick on him. Uh, he, he had a few good games his rookie season. I already mentioned uh, what he did last season, the small sample size of it. You know, is he in a situation where San Francisco would just hold on to him knowing Emmanuel Sanders is not there anymore? Uh, maybe the possibility of them not getting a a top three receiving prospect, despite the receiving uh, the the receiving draft this season being very deep, uh, is there a possibility they just hold on to him, or is it higher that they maybe just get rid of him and say, "Look, we're done. Wipe the slate clean. Get him out of here, and we'll take a sixth round pick or a seventh round pick for him in the future." Yeah, the whole Dante Pettis thing this year was so bizarre. Um, I can't explain it. It other than the fact that he, he showed up to camp and he it just didn't seem like he was ready. didn't seem like he was physically there. Um, and Kyle talked about that in camp. Um, he made that known. And I, I think that at this point, if you look at the 49ers wide receiver group, it's Debo Samuel. And then you can pencil in Kendrick Bourne for a nice third down guy. But besides those two, those two, it's a bunch of question marks. And I think that it doesn't hurt to keep a guy like Dante Pettis, especially just because of how high Kyle Shanahan was on him. Um, there's really not much competition for that third, even the sec- second wide receiver spot, second or second, third or fourth wide receiver spot. So it doesn't hurt to keep him. Um, you hope that he can 
um, bounce back and actually get on the field and show the ability that we even we all saw it in the first year. He he he's very shifty. He's um, obviously a, a threat in the return game, and he wasn't even used in the return game, which was also surprising. So if he can come back and he can have a good camp and he can look like the player that they drafted, then I don't think there's any reason to let go of him. Just see what you got with him. Um, after this year, if you're still, if he's still in the doghouse, then I think they'll absolutely move on. You mentioned a few question marks in the receiving core. You know, I, I'm pretty sure you're, you're alluding to Trent Taylor and, and Jalen Hurd and and those injuries they've had this past season. I heard that Hurd couldn't even travel to Miami because of his back. And I want to ask you about them real quick before we move on to Joe Staley. Uh, those question marks in Taylor, in Hurd, we saw Taylor had a lot of or, or great chemistry with Jimmy Garoppolo in in 2017. Um, do you think that, you know, out of those two guys, which one is more likely to have an impact when healthy this season? Uh, I think t- uh, Trent Taylor, just because even before he got injured in training camp, he was the best receiver in camp this year uh, before he got hurt. He uh, There was, I remember at the start of training camp, we were watching and we were just covering these receivers and um, none of them really jumped off the page and Trent Taylor was the one who stood out above the rest. Uh, and then he got hurt with his foot injury and that whole ordeal. So I, I think absolutely Trent Taylor can come back if he's healthy and be that guy for Jimmy Garoppolo. Like we saw in 2017, he was, he was his favorite receiver and uh, they could definitely use a guy like that uh, in the slot. But I, with Jalen Hurd, I honestly have no idea what he's going to come back and perform like. Uh, the back injury is a very scary injury, and it's definitely something that could definitely hamper his career, his immediate career. Um, he's the biggest question mark in that group, and honestly, I, I, I don't know what he's going to look like when he comes back. Hopefully he can come back and being full health. We know how dynamic he can be in San Francisco's offense with Kyle Shanahan, with Jimmy Garoppolo, and even with guys around him like Mostert, Coleman, Kittle, Debo, NKB, and maybe even Trent Taylor. Uh, but I want to get to the next topic of today's show, and that being probably the biggest question mark on this 49ers team, which has kind of crept up out of nowhere. I know Matt Mayoko reported NBC Sports said that there's only a 50-50 chance uh, Joe Staley returns. Mayoko went on to explain that Staley had been banged up all season. I think he missed like five or four games, whatever it was, in the middle of the year. Uh, but that he had been rehabbing and trying to get back into shape uh, for the upcoming season. Uh, what are you hearing about Joe Staley's possible retirement? Yeah, I think Mayoko's the one who, uh, really the only one who's hearing something right now. Uh, it does surprise me. It did kind of come out of nowhere. All season long, being in that locker room, he was asked the question about retirement seemingly every week. Um, and he was adamant that he's going to play out his contract and he's going to be here another year. And even in the playoffs, I remember one day uh, there was a big media scrum at his locker and someone asked the question, which at that point he's been asked a million times and he kind of got annoyed by the question and he kind of dismissed it. And he was pretty, again, adamant that he was going to be back for another year. And there was really no doubt about that. Um, I think that was the NFC champ before the NFC championship game. Um, and then the, the Super Bowl obviously happened. And um, I noticed after the Super Bowl, he was, he was very emotional. You, him and a bunch of other guys, you could see tears running down their face and you could see just how much it impacted them. And uh, if this change of heart is true, which I have no reason to believe it's not, I think definitely the Super Bowl 
was the cause of that. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, they Hopefully they can hear back in the next week or two because if he doesn't come back, it definitely could impact their draft plans. Um, so if they hear back in the next couple of weeks before the draft, then they could feel comfortable um, taking maybe a wide receiver at 13 or a defensive uh, lineman at 31 or it definitely it impacts their immediate plans for sure. And this is kind of sort of out of left field and uh, hopefully they can hear back in time because they got a lot of preparation to do. Staley doesn't seem like the guy who would, you know, wait this long to tell the organization. It feels like you know, he's kind of that he's, he's the left tackle. He's the mainstay. He's the captain. He's been there, you know, for what seems like forever. Uh, it feels like he has too much respect for not only the game, but the team, his teammates, and the organization. Uh, but to wait this long to, to say he's going to walk away, but let's say he does walk away. Are are Niner fans to expect uh, school to step in and be a starter, or should we look at Tom Compton, who was just signed, or, or even a Sean Coleman stepping up uh, following the injury he suffered last season? Yeah, I, I think absolutely, um, if Staley does retire, uh, you'll see Mike McGlinchey move over, and then you'll see a combination of Justin School, Sean Coleman. Maybe you'll see some Daniel Brunskill, and then obviously the new the newer guys they acquired like Tom Compton. But uh, what School did last year, um, filling in for Joe Staley and Mike McGlinchey when they were both down, it's huge because now at least you know what you have in him. So now you can you can feel a little bit more comfortable going and maybe waiting until the second or third round to draft an offensive lineman. Um, they may even draft one in the first round, but you know that you have some depth there and you know you have some competent offensive linemen who have proven themselves. So it's if he does retire, it's definitely something they're going to address in the draft, but it may not be as immediate of a need um, as it may look on the surface just because of a couple guys they have there that they feel confident in. If Staley does retire, and I kind of want to get into you know what this means for the players on the roster, not just who's filling in for Staley or taking over for him, the team already lost to Forrest Buckner via trade with the Colts. That's the reason why San Francisco has that 13th overall pick. Uh, but but DJ Jones spoke on KMBR, I think it was this past week, and said, uh, speaking about the Buckner trade, said it hurt for a week and Buckner was the captain of our defense. Um, what could losing two mainstays, two captains, and it, probably a future Hall of Famer in Staley's case, do to this team after losing a Super Bowl in a heartbreak fashion and now losing two of your best players on offense and defense going into this next season? Yeah, losing guys like Buckner and Staley, especially after the Super Bowl, um, that, that'll sting. It'll hurt. Um, but I think for a normal team, it could have an impact negatively, but this team... This whole locker room is a bunch of high-character guys, a bunch of guys like George Kittle, for example, who are high-energy and lightning rods for um, that locker room. So I think they will be okay. Um, I, I think it'll definitely sting for a little bit, but uh, just knowing the guys in this locker room, I, I think they'll uh, new guys will step up and they'll have plenty of leaders throughout the season. Yeah, I want to ask you about the leadership. You know, Buckner was a captain on defense. Uh, we already know Sherman's there, and there's plenty of guys who we may think of as younger players: Jimmy Ward, you know, Jaquaski Tart, uh, Fred Warner, Greenlaw. But there are plenty of guys on that team that we may see as young, but are veteran guys or kind of wise beyond their years. Um, with the group San Francisco has, you know, 
it kind of seems like they have this this calming reassurance that no matter who's in or who's out, we're gonna be just as good as we were last year, or or at least up to par with how we were last season. Does that seem like the case for you? Yeah, absolutely. And that goes back to them knowing what they have in their depth, whether it be on the offensive line, whether it be a cornerback with Emmanuel Mosley, or in the, anywhere in the secondary or on the defensive line, um, linebacker with Dre Greenlaw. They have depth and they've their depth has played and they've played significant minutes and they've played significant downs. And that's why I think they're so confident just because it wasn't just the starters playing every snap and then the backups not getting much action. The backups got plenty of work and they showed out pretty well. And uh, right now they don't really have any reason to be concerned. Um, Obviously defensive line, there's a big hole left by Buckner and with Staley, if he leaves, but yeah, I think the depth they've built is, has been the backbone to their success on offense and defense. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The, the backbone they've had, you know, plenty of guys like D.J. Jones was hurt. Uh, you know, D Ford was out. There are plenty of guys who are hurt all year. And, and as a fan and someone who follows this team, and I'm sure the rest of the Niner faithful out there are saying, look, you know, we're going to be just fine no matter who comes and goes. And the team definitely uh, promotes that, which is why I want to get into the, the third topic of today's show, that being the NFL draft. Now, there's so many question marks, not just with the Niners roster, but what's going to happen with the NFL draft. You know, it's going to be virtually uh, kind of, you know, Tech, more technology driven than the past is how I'll, I'll word that. And, you know, it seems like Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are going to be in a room by themselves. They're kind of, they're going to be the war room uh, and they're going to be virtually sending in their picks in. Um, but let's say Staley's not coming back once again. Let's say he's gone. Uh, you know, how do the Niners approach the draft, you know, knowing that the top four or five offensive tackles are probably or have been projected to be off the board uh, by the 10th or 11th overall pick. What is San Francisco's plan at that point at the 13th overall pick? Well, I, I think most people believe that they'll be taking a wide receiver, and I believe that to be pretty much true just because I believe that they will take a wide receiver within the first round or second round uh, just because of why, how they let Emmanuel Sanders walk and the depth behind Debo Samuel. I mean, it's Debo Samuel and then nobody really all that impressive. So I think that all signs point to them using draft capital, whether it be the first or second round on a wide receiver um, that I feel confident in. But I I think if they were to use the 31st pick or if they were to trade back, um, I think obviously the positions would be offensive tackle, which depending on what happens with Joe Staley, we'll see or a cornerback because Richard Sherman's getting up there in age and, uh, you you got to find someone who's eventually going to replace him. So I think wide receiver, offensive tackle, um, cornerback, and then defensive line, of course, are the four positions that they could go. I think at 13, I believe it'll be between uh, wide receiver and cornerback, um, whether that be the three top receivers or um, 
CJ Henderson, who I, I really like, but I think if they were going to, going to address either of the lines, offensive line or defensive line, I think it would be at pick 31 or wherever they do, wherever they are uh, after a potential trade back. So I think definitely um, pick 13 will be more of a high, high skilled, uh, flashy player of sorts. You mentioned the three top receivers, that being CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, and Henry Ruggs. I do want to ask you, out of those three, what is your preference? I'm a CeeDee Lamb guy. I think he can do everything in Kyle Shanahan's offense. I don't see very very many weaknesses in his offense. Out of the three guys, Lamb, Judy, or Ruggs, who would you prefer on San Francisco's offense? Well, I, I'm with you on that. I'm a CeeDee Lamb guy. He's my number one. Uh, yesterday, I think I watched like an hour and a half of his film, and obviously the other two, you can't go wrong with any of the three. I mean, if they draft any of the three, it'll be a good pick. They'll fit just fine, but I think CeeDee Lamb fits the best just because I watch his film, and I, I see that dog in him, the one who's just going to tough it out. He's going to fight for extra yards, a lot like Debo Samuel, a lot like George Kittle. Um, he, he He's a monster after the catch. Uh, I, I saw countless clips of him extending his his receptions by 20, 30 yards just by juking two, three, four, five guys. Um, and he loves to block. That's something that Kyle Shanahan loves, and that's something that will get you playing time in this offense if you can get dirty and if you can block. And uh, He definitely plays bigger than his size. He's very slender, but I, I saw a lot of dog in him. I saw a lot of toughness, and uh, he's definitely someone who... I envision being in a 49ers uniform above the other two. Now, let me ask you this, and this is going to be maybe maybe a little more out there than maybe you would expect or even I would expect to happen, but there have been rumblings of San Francisco trading back at 13 or 31, but I want to ask you, if, if CeeDee Lamb is there, and let's say he's their guy, and they they want him more than anybody else in this draft, do you think there's a chance they could package a Brita and that 13th overall pick for whoever to move up in front of New York and try to snag CeeDee Lamb? I know it's crazy, but is there a possibility that happens? Yeah, I don't think it's crazy. I don't think it's likely, but um, if they're going to trade number 13, it'll all obviously all depend on what's happening ahead of them, but I could see them trading back uh, to 15 with the Denver Broncos. There's obviously a lot of history there between John Lynch and John Elway. Um, but to trade up... I, I feel like if they were going to trade up with anyone, I think it would be the Cleveland Browns at 10, um, packaging 13 and 31, and then getting back the second or third and whatever that the deal would require. But um, yeah, if, if they are in love with one of these receivers and there's rumbling, rumblings that uh, the Raiders are in love with CeeDee Lamb, so there's definitely going to be a wide receiver, maybe two taken ahead of them, so... If it's something that they deem worthy, I wouldn't put it past them. Um, we've never seen them. We've seen them trade into the first round once. That was uh, the Reuben Foster trade in 2017. But other than that, they usually trade back. Um, so if I had to put money on pick number 13, I would envision them staying put. But if they're going to move, I would expect them to move back maybe one or two spots. And speaking of the trades, you know, I already kind of mentioned them possibly trading back here. If if Denver wants Henry Ruggs and San Francisco says we need to prioritize someone like a C.J. Henderson, uh, I do know Atlanta is kind of in between them uh, with with the next pick. But um, you, you mentioned C.J. Henderson yourself; you like him a lot. Do you think 
uh, San Francisco could say, look, our secondary, despite our offense not playing well uh, in the fourth quarter of that uh, Super Bowl game, uh, do you think they could say that we need a solid number two guy across from Sherman? We all know he's getting older. Uh, we know he played at a high level last year and, and one bad game, and, and he's kind of exposed. And now people are calling for you know him to be gone or or them to you know trade him or whatever it is. People are you know saying things on Twitter that make no sense, but um, <laughs> but. More so, do you think that they could value a cornerback over one of the top three receivers this year? Yeah, I think there's a chance. Um, it, it all depends on how they evaluate those three receivers because um, it, none of those three receivers fit into the stereotypical Kyle Shanahan mold. Um, if he was going to pick one of those guys at 13, it would be they would kind of be a little bit of an outlier compared to the guys like Trent Taylor, Dante Pettis, Debo Samuel, the guys he even acquired uh, with the Falcons. So I think that depending on who they value more, I would lean towards C.D. Lamb and maybe Henry Ruggs above Jerry Judy. Uh, so if that's the case, then yeah, I absolutely could see that. Um, but it, I don't think that the Super Bowl and the second half collapse and how that secondary played is an indicator of how they feel. Obviously they put on a whole season's worth of elite tape. Um, and aside from Richard Sherman, I think um, obviously uh, Emmanuel Mosley stepped up big time in the secondary um, while uh, shoot, blanking on his name, <laughs> the cornerback, uh, Akella Witherspoon while he struggled. So I think that they, there's definitely pieces there. Um, to feel confident in the position group as a whole. But the 49ers are in a nice spot to where they can kind of just see what happens and they can draft the best player available, whether that's a wide receiver, whether that's a cornerback, whether that's a defensive lineman. So I think they're just going to play it by ear and they're just going to see how the draft board falls and they're going to adapt to whatever happens. Yeah, Ryan Sakamoto said last week that the Niners hold all the cards and you know the one thing the the DeForest Buckner trade did for them was give them flexibility in the draft, and that's why I want to kind of transition over to that 31st overall pick. That is their original pick. Uh, obviously, we know how they got that, losing the Super Bowl. But, you know, if San Francisco does trade back, I know you already talked about, you know, maybe them targeting uh, maybe a receiver if they don't go receiver at 13 or in offensive lineman, uh, what are some players that you're hearing or maybe some surprise players you're hearing that San Francisco could target uh, with that 31st overall pick or via a trade back in this draft? Yeah, 31, like I said earlier, if they do what everyone expects them at 13, whether that be wide receiver or cornerback, I think 31 will address the line, whether that be offense or defense. So guys like, um, uh, like a Derek Brown, I, I see him and I compare him to uh, Javon Kinlaw. And obviously I don't think they're going to be there at 31, but guys like that who, depending on where they go, however they fall, um, they'll obviously like a lot. But I think offensive line definitely would be the play at 31, in my opinion, just because I think it's a little bit deeper of an offensive line class than it is a defensive line class. So guys like Cesar Ruiz, um he he's probably my number one at, at 31 right now. Um, but yeah, I, it's, it's really hard to say just because I expect them to trade out of 31. So it, it all depends on what kind of pick they get in return. I think second round, you can still find very good value on the lines. Um, 
Also, there's uh, plenty of de decent safeties who could be available at the position, like Grant Delpit, for example, um, uh, Stephen Duggar, a couple of guys I like. But it's hard to say right now. Um, but I think 31 definitely is the pick where you address the trenches. You mentioned uh, safeties, and one name that comes to mind for me is you know, is, uh, Xavier McKinney from Texas A&M. And we know that Tart's contract is up after this season, but we also know how big of a dip uh, the safety position took with Marcel Harris out there. It's not a knock on him, but he's just not a, uh, a Jaquaski Tart. Uh, is there a chance San Francisco does maybe at 31 say, look, do, do we value a safety in case Tart goes down again or in case maybe he doesn't have a good season and, and McKinney or Adelpic can step in and, and do what he does for a lot cheaper? Absolutely. And I think that goes back to Joukowsky Tart and his past. And he's been injury prone. And this was the first full season we got out of him, it seems like. And we don't know if that's something he can maintain. Um, and we saw what happened with Marcel Harris as a replacement and when Jaquaski Tark got hurt and how he's so important to that defense. So I think absolutely you could see a guy like Grant Delpit or Xavier McKinney, Ashton Davis, Kyle Duggar, guys like that, um, potentially at 31. And I don't think they're going to be hesitant to pull the trigger on a position that they already have filled just because we know how they value depth and we know how things change and how injuries deplete this team very quickly. So it's definitely a position that you could see at 31. So I think absolutely between maybe Grant Delpit or Xavier McKinney, I think that's definitely a position you could, uh, you could stock up on. You mentioned injuries, you know, hurting this team or, or how, how injury prone this team was last season. And I think we would all agree what they were able to do with the injuries they had on defense and even on offense with Staley and McGlinchey out um, was kind of surprising, kind of opened your eyes considering their record uh, two years ago. Um, let me ask you about D Ford. Now, a lot of 49er fans love D Ford. They 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 see his snap to to sack ratio or or, or snap to pressure ratio and go, if this guy can just stay healthy, like the impact he can have on a team. Is there any concern? Uh, over over the injuries he's had this past season about if he can stay healthy? And is there any concern that, you know, San Francisco might say we, we may be wasting some money on this guy in, in a year or two move off of him? I think there's a little bit of concern just because of his injury is something that's lingered most of his career. And it's something that there's a good chance he might be battling again this season. Um, but at the same time, he's a guy they only really need on third down. Uh, put him out there on third down, he'll go after the quarterback and that's really all you really need from him um but at the same time he does command a lot of money he has a big cap hit so i think after this season i wouldn't be surprised if they were to move on from him um but right now i think in their eyes he's someone that especially with the loss of deforest buckner they're hoping he can stay healthy and he can just be that third down rusher because that's what he excels at and the way this defense is set up and the other pressure they have with guys like Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead um, that's really all they need him for so if he can work through his injury like he did this year um, I think that he's in line for another good season and he'll be a big part of this team and then depending on where their cap is next year they may be able to let him go we saw San Francisco restructure contracts of Weston Richburg, and even Quan Alexander 
uh, during or you know during the season, is there a chance that San Francisco goes to D Ford and says, "Look, we can't give you 16 mil per year and have you only play on third downs"? If that's the case, and what they do this season, like we have to extend guys like Kittle, Warner, McGlinchey, and there are other guys too that have to be extended as well. Uh, you know, Mostert's contracts up in a few years. Uh, Coleman's going to be up soon if they value him that much. Is there a chance they go to D Ford and say, "Look, we have to restructure you, or we have to let you go"? Yeah, I think there's a chance. Um, I don't know if it will get to that point just because a lot of the contracts they have on their books are very unique and very creative, and they can pull money out of seemingly thin air, which they did this season. I think they have like, I think like 15 or somewhere like 12 to 15 million in cap space right now. Um, so they're very good at creating cap space. So they won't be shy when it comes to asking guys like D Ford uh, to maybe restructure that, that wouldn't surprise me, but at the same time, I think that they can get pretty creative, uh, in other ways as well. I have one final question for you, Taylor, and, and that is the, in, in the likes of Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, after the Super Bowl collapse, plenty of Niner fans, uh, even plenty of, you know, radio hosts were saying we have to move off from this guy. Jimmy Garoppolo is not good. Someone else can make that big throw to Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, I think that's a little crazy. Even last week I talked about, uh, you know, does Kyle Shanahan have faith in Jimmy Garoppolo? And I kind of pointed out, why wouldn't he? Like, why wouldn't he have faith in Jimmy Garoppolo after all he's done in any short period of time that we've actually seen him on the field? And so I also want to kind of, if you can, put the doubt of any faithful to bed in Jimmy Garoppolo. Tell them Jimmy Garoppolo is the guy, if you think he is. Or tell me I'm crazy, tell me I'm wrong, and tell me they have to move off from him in the near future. Yeah, uh, it seems like everyone defending Jimmy Garoppolo at this point is beating this drum over and over and until he puts up 4,000 yards and 30 some touchdowns and wins a Super Bowl I think that conversation is going to keep going on um, but it's plain and simple the guy led your team to a Super Bowl uh, he put up a decent season not amazing but obviously good enough um, and again it's it was his first full year in the system he's playing in one of the more complicated systems in the league guys like I think Baker Mayfield and some other guys have more starts in the NFL than him Um, so he's obviously not a young guy but he's football young in terms of experience and I think a lot of quarterbacks especially guys like Matt Ryan and Kyle Shanahan's system took a big leap in year two Uh, and Jimmy Garoppolo this year will be entering year two in Kyle Shanahan's system in terms of games played so I think obviously after this system if you still have doubt and he still it plays at the level he played this season, which, again, was good, not great, then I think you can maybe start to have a valid, valid argument. But it begins and ends with the guy taking your team to a Super Bowl in his first full season. And uh, I, I would say that's pretty good, even with the uh, heavy use of the run game and him not needing to throw much in certain games. But there's zero reason whatsoever to... Uh, doubt Jimmy Garoppolo's potential uh, with Kyle Shanahan. You can find him at Taylor Worth on Twitter. It's Worth, W-I-R-T-H-T-M. He's usually talking to 49ers. He's done a fantastic job dissecting this year's draft class. Thank you, Taylor, for joining us here today on 49ers Access. Absolutely. Anytime. Looking forward to the draft now. That's all we have here today on 49ers Access. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Tell your friends that there is a new 49ers podcast out there designed just for them. Till next time, my name is Sterling Bennett, and stay faithful.